0: craft beer in Portugal, beer served in a boot, and drinking in a monastery. This week, it's all about beer. Traveling
1: the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences,
0: this is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the
1: Radio Misfits Podcast Network.
0: I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast and website for foodies. It's where we explore the world's great cuisine on this podcast and at DestinationEatDrink.com. And this week, I thought we'd talk beer. After all, it's warming up, summer's around the corner, and what would hit the spot better than a nice cold one? But first, let me tell you where I'm at. Pastelaria O Casto is on the Praça de Bocage in Stúbel, Portugal. Now, I've talked about this square, the Praça de Bocage, before. I even posted a story about it at DestinationEatDrink.com. I've broadcast the podcast from here before as well. It's the largest and most popular square here in Stúbel, Portugal. It's also one of the places that gets the most tourists in town, but Pastelaria O Cesto is more of a local's place, even though it's right on the Praça de Bocage. They've got some seating inside, but today, it's a nice day in Portugal. I'm sitting outside, enjoying a pastel de nada. Okay, this week's show is all about beer. We're going to revisit some of my favorite conversations about the Sudsy stuff, including the emerging craft beer scene here in Portugal, Denver's famous breweries, German beer in Chicago, and the famous beer of the Czech Republic. We'll even toss back a couple in a monastery. So let's get into it because I'm parched and it's time to drink.
1: Destination, eat, drink. (sighs)
0: Andre Apolinario is the founder of Taste Porto, a great food tour company in Portugal's second city. He tells about the craft beer scene in Portugal and how creative brewing has exploded in the last few years.
2: I'll, first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say I'm a, I'm a liquid agnostic. I, I love all kinds of beverages. And the thing that passions me the most about, thing, about beverages is their historical background. Craft beer is definitely recent. Uh, the, the first craft beer brand uh, born in Portugal was in 2011, Suvina. Uh, these guys have been doing a, a tremendous job being a tremendous job being pioneers. But from 2011 till today, we now have more than 150 brands of craft beer. Holy it exploded, um, as you as you pointed out accurately, and it it keeps growing. Um, it's an open source world, you know, brewers meet in craft beer bars, they debate their recipes, they fine tune their recipes, talking with each other. So it's a really vibrant world. And Porto um, and Portugal, I, I, I tend to say that we arrived late at the party, but we're, we're up there. Uh, Porto's craft beer fest uh, that is held every single year in, in June hosts a lot of people last year, over 40,000 people visited the show from around the world. Um, So craft beer scene is fast growing. It's more than saying that it is due to the quality of the brewers, which it is. They have a true talent behind a lot of these brands, but it's also the the cultural approach on it. You know, Uh, this scene uh, exploded after the economical crisis that swept through Portugal back in 2008 until 2014, roughly. And then you saw craft beer bars slowly opening around around the, in the country. In Porto, I would have to say that the place that created the safe ground for craft beer to explode uh, to, was Catraio, Porto's first craft beer bar. They opened in 2015 and for over two years, they were the only craft beer bar in town. Um, I like to call them, uh, Ricardo and Via, the owners, I like to call them uh, the founding fathers of the craft beer scene in the city. And they foster the scene, they foster the brewers over there. And nowadays, with the evolution of, of the craft beer scene, they had these monthly meetings in between the professional brewers and own brewers so that the knowledge keeps on being shared. And I love that view. So there's, there's a lot happening in in Portugal. And one of the things that I like to see in the craft beer scene is that it's gaining that complexity that the wine world has. You now choose the beer that you want to take to a, to a dinner event. If you're offering a beer to a friend, you're going to choose um, a craft beer that is either special or you feel that that person is going to enjoy. There are even some restaurants with craft beer pairing menus, not just wine pairing menus. So this complexity that goes parallel with, with wine is really exciting, i am say. And more and more, you'll find restaurants with really good craft beers on, on their menus. It's something that uh, even some winemakers have been trying to tap into, uh, one of the biggest uh, winemakers of the country, Spurão, uh, partners with Suvina. They actually bought the company and they now have some barrel aging uh, projects going on. There are even some craft beer brands with taking uh, port wine barrels to do barrel aging of craft beer. So oh, cool! this is truly exciting and, and there's there's no limits into this. So I love this and I love the way it allows us to go into our traditions as well because there's one thing that Um, definitely goes below radar. Although, uh, until 10 years ago, roughly, uh, in Portugal, it was all about mainly two beer brands, Superboc and Sagres. If we travel a little bit back in time to the 19th century, 1850s, downtown Porto, there were over 30 beer factories. Wow. Then uh, the industrial revolution uh, brought us homogenization, like anywhere in the world. But now we're, like the rest of the world, we're exploding to, to craft
3: beer.
0: Delicious Denver Food Tours takes visitors all over the Mile High City. And we talked to founder Jessica Baumgart about Denver's famous breweries and some of her favorites.
4: Where I am sitting in my house, I live directly next to one of my favorite breweries in Denver, Cerebral Brewing. (laughs) I can smell, (laughs) I can smell, uh, the, the brewing process happening on Mondays. I know the days that that happens. Um, yeah, craft beer is a really big deal in Denver and Colorado. We have the second most. Uh, craft breweries in the country. After California, people have called us the Napa Valley of Beer. Oh, cool. Um And a, just a really high concentration of really, really good craft breweries. There are some good beer tours um, in town and um, just some awesome people doing doing really interesting things, particularly in Rhino. That's kind of the brew district of Denver, um, the highest concentration of craft breweries in, in Denver, which is the highest concentration of craft breweries in in the state of Colorado.
0: So what are a couple of your favorite craft breweries in Denver and what are some of their specialties that you look forward to trying when you visit there?
4: I really love, like I said, Cerebral, who I I live directly next to. I (laughs) I know the guys over there. So um, that's like my neighborhood spot. Um, They do interesting things all the time. They have a hazy IPA right now that's so delicious um, but over in Rhino, I love a brewery called Ratio Beer Works. Um, those guys have an interesting story. They met um, as musicians on tour in the 90s. Oh, cool. Uh, so they, they joked that they uh, learned how to drink on tour. They learned how to brew in Germany. So they do German-style <laughs> beers. All good. Uh, oh, good. Over at Ratio, but really good beers. And then right down the street from there, there's another I love called Our Mutual Friend. They have this really beautiful, colorful brewery right on Larimer Street in the heart of the Rhino Arts District, um, which is known for street art as well. So they've had, you know, they have big murals all across the front of their building. Um, and they ha- they do some really good beers and they're directly next to my favorite um, barbecue spot in Denver, too. So beer convenient. like wine, right, is is all about the pairing and, and what you're going to be eating with it. Um, so I always love the breweries that are close to my favorite uh, eateries as well.
0: You know, when I was thinking about craft beer, I also was thinking about the other end of the spectrum, you know, and when when I go to a new city, I like to try the craft beer, of course, but I also like to try the, you know, the lower end, (laughs) every town or every city, every state has like a, um, just a working day beer that folks drink. You go to Chicago, you get an old style, you go to uh, Austin, you get a Lone Star, you go to Rhode Island, you get a Narragansett. Is is there a beer like that in Colorado or in Denver?
4: Yeah, 100 I mean, it's Coors, right? It's Coors oh, Banquet. Of course. Yeah, That's like yeah. our, we are absolutely a Coors town. Our baseball field is, you know, a Coors field. Um, it's said that the, the Coors logo is stamped on every single brick, um, in our 1.5 million bricks that make up our baseball stadium right downtown. So yeah, we are definitely a, a Coors town when it comes to that, like that equivalent of your, your everyday, um, lower end beer for sure.
0: You know, I didn't even consider Coors because I think of it as a national brand yeah. these days. <laughs> yeah. But it started out that way as a little local beer. started here. I yeah. remember when I was a teenager growing up in Chicagoland and folks would come back from ski trips in Colorado, and they would talk about this beer called Coors, and some people would yeah. even drive out there and drive back with cases of Coors, and you were lucky to get yeah. it, and it seemed yeah. like such an exotic thing, and now it's, of course, it's been yep. everywhere for decades. I know,
4: If people forget, but it's, yeah, it's still alive and well in Denver, and uh, the brewery out in Golden um, was definitely a place you could go do tours and things like that. So yeah, we're we're for sure a Coors town still.
0: Rick Kempfer is an author, blogger, podcaster, and publisher. I've had him on the show talking about Slovenia and Croatia, but his wheelhouse is German culture and food. He talks about German beer in Chicago.
1: They do brew their own beer, the Berghoff beer, and they have it in all the different flavors. Um, but you don't get the good german beer from germany okay which is what i want
0: you want the stuff that's coming from germany yeah not brewed not necessarily brewed in the german style
1: right right exactly i mean i'm sure it's fine i mean i have had it it's fine (laughs) but the germans in germany they've been doing it a little bit longer they have their act together yeah i mean uh, they perfected the craft
0: centuries before <laughs> yes, exactly. anyone landed in, well before Europeans landed in America. But
1: the funny thing about the Berghoff is or they've got this really long bar and for years they had no uh chairs. You'd have to stand. I'm, it may still be that way. I haven't been in there in a no little while. No chairs. Um but they didn't even allow women in there until the late 60s. <sighs> the late 60s. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But it's 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 no longer a beer place. It is. It is a very fancy German restaurant now, and right. they they have, unlike some of the more traditional German restaurants, it's just not only German food. They have like lighter fare. They have vegetarian dishes. Um, their waiters dress in suits. It's you know very fancy German restaurant. It's without question the most expensive. German restaurant in Chicago.
0: Okay, so if you want to go to a fancy place, a dress up place for an event or some, you know, yes. special occasion, you want to go to the uh, Berghof, What about some other places we should go? Maybe uh, some classic German places.
1: Well, in that old neighborhood I was talking about, there are still a bunch of places. Uh, one my favorite my favorite German restaurant, the one I go to the most is called Laschitz, which is uh <laughs> Say that again? Lachets. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Some people in the neighborhood say Lachets. It's not Lachets. It's Lachets.
0: It's not French. It's <laughs> exactly, German. <laughs> exactly. Uh,
1: but it's a classic German tavern. It's like, uh, you know, Alpine uh, d- decor on the inside. What we would envision. Exactly. And that's what the whole neighborhood looked like, you know, 50 years ago when I was a kid. Uh, but they have, I when I go there for lunch, I get the room and, because they make it with I smoked pork butt and it it's so good sauerkraut is amazing they probably but, make
0: their own sauerkraut
1: right I'm, oh, without question but the best part is this is like an old tavern and they have all the great german beers on tap. Okay. And when you get those german beers on tap, I'm sorry, that is living.
0: Then you've got Kempfer coming through the door. That's
1: how you that's how you get a Kempfer in there. <laughs> that's that's your calling card. So
0: so what would you have? Let take take me through it. We walk in, you're ordering, what would you say you're ordering when you go there? I get the Reuben. The Reuben, the, the, you the... said that. The Reuben with the sauerkraut. Yeah. And then what would you have to accompany that? What kind of beer would you enjoy?
1: Uh, so you know I like I like an old uh, BBK. Uh I like a uh you know the HB the German uh, Hofbräuhaus beer they've got there mm-hmm. the Spaten of course the <laughs> <Levenbreu> is another <laughs> good one. The German Levenbräu not Miller Low Brow. Right. Um but uh those are the of big ones. Okay. Augustiner. Okay. If I'm
0: looking for a vice beer. They've got the hacker you know. Good, good. And um how are they served? Do we can we get a giant mug of beer? You, you here? can get
1: a boot. <laughs> How about a boot? Who wants a boot? Perfect. <laughs> Perfect. I've never ordered the boot because unless you are a uh a chugger, uh it gets warm
0: by the time you get to the end. Yeah, and then you're yeah. drinking
1: and then it tastes like feet. Yeah. You know.
2: <laughs> it might be the visual of you
1: drinking it out of a boot, but but so this is a neighborhood place. This is Laschitz is a neighborhood place. You, you know the people that live around there come and go. I drive in. I live in Mel Prospect, which is in the suburbs, so it's like a twenty minute drive for me. I usually stop in on my way to Wrigley. Okay, to go to Wackuts.
0: So it's not. You said the neighborhood is not far from Wrigley, it's, so it's, it's right a, by. So it's a perfect place to go. Any any anything else in this neighborhood?
1: Yeah, there's a place called the Beer Which is right across the street, a little ways down the street. There, it's another kitschy, classic German place. Uh, It's more of a bar than a restaurant. I don't think I've ever eaten there. Um, Okay, but it's you know it looks like another German place. Uh, There was there was another one right next door that just closed, but that's still a totally german looking area right although germans don't live there anymore
0: right see that's the thing that people need to understand is that in a lot of these old neighborhoods where the immigrants came their idea was not to stay here forever right you know it's like yeah. okay this is kind you know in a lot of cases the italian neighborhoods the irish neighborhoods and the german neighborhoods they're kind of trashy you know it's yeah. like you're it's your first foothold right. in america you want to climb the ladder And so a lot of these communities then either disperse or have enclaves in the suburbs. Um, I know in Rhode Island, for example, all the Italians first came to Providence. Eventually, they moved to other suburbs like Johnston and Cranston. Are there German enclaves in the suburbs of Chicago? Not really. I think the Germans have... Completely
1: diffuse. The Germans are very assimilated. Right. You know, you may not find a, a nationality more assimilated than the Germans. I mean, they... They've come here. They've been here. They are now Americans. Right. Like, right. My, I'm, I'm. As I mentioned, I didn't speak German. Or I didn't speak English when I was a kid. I Have three sons. None of them speak German.
0: Right. And I've known you for decades. And I didn't for several years. I knew you. I didn't even know that you were a German speaker. There is no trace of an accent right. anywhere. It wouldn't be something that someone would listen to you or look at you and go, "Yeah, that guy, you know, was speaking German as a child." Um, so My I, mom
1: sent me to school in lederhosen, so <laughs> I, I have uh, I have I've taken it's years, years of therapy. I'm okay now. Are but,
0: there are there school pictures? Of uh,
1: I have burned, destroyed.
0: Them all. They must be destroyed. <laughs>
1: There is one other German place I want to mention that's still in that old uh, world kind of way. Oh, cool. It's called the Edelweiss Restaurant, um, and it's not technically in Chicago, but it's on that same street. It's on Irving Park Road. It's just outside the border, and that is the best schnitzel in town.
0: Okay. So, this is where you want to go if you want to have schnitzel. Edelweiss. Yes. And you can remember that from the song from The Sound of Music. Everyone knows that.
1: They got a beer garden there, too.
0: Oh. Well, okay.
1: (laughs) As it turns out, they have all the German beer there, too. I'm not sure why I go to these places. Yeah, (laughs) surprisingly. I'm sensing a theme. I just kind of stumble into these places. (laughs) No, I stumble out.
0: (laughs) Valerie from Real Prague Guides tells me about the variety of Czech beers from lager to pilsen and everything else. Plus, we drink beer in a monastery. Valerie, I want to talk about Czech beer because i love i love pilsner i love the czech pilsner and it's one of my favorite things uh to pick up when i'm in the uh when i'm in the liquor store talk to mm-hmm. me about being in prague and the different kind of beers that we can enjoy maybe the mass-produced mm-hmm. beers but also the the smaller craft beers talk to me a little bit about mm-hmm. uh, what we should try when we're there
3: So we are, yeah, we are kind of big on beer here, the biggest beer drinking nation in the world. Yes. Not being proud of that, (laughs) but (laughs) maybe I should. Uh, 140 liters of beer per person per year. So that's 140.
0: So a liter is like two pints. So that's 280. That's like uh, four. Yeah, that's like almost a beer. That's almost a beer a day every day for every single man, woman, and child.
3: (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah, yep, yep, yep. That's uh, totally true. (laughs) So, um, the most popular beers here are, of course, lagers. Uh, But uh, also nowadays you can get varieties, of course. But the most popular is, of course, Pilsner Urkel. That is uh, kind of the OG (laughs) Czech beer. (laughs) And then and then there's Staropramen. Staropramen is like a Prague brewery, so quite uh, easy to find in Prague. And my personal favorite is Kozel, because there is a a special kind of this beer. It's called dark beer. And Kozel means a goat, so you can easily find it in a store. It's uh, the bottle which has a black and white billy goat on it, because the fur, uh, or the yeah, this is how we call it. Yeah, the fur of the goat yes. <laughs> resembles the color of the beer. Oh, okay. Black and, black and white. So this is why, and the dark beer is uh, sweeter, a little bit sweeter than uh, the normal pale lager. So if you are into that, you will enjoy this. So these are like the big brands that you can find anywhere. For Pilsner beer, I would for sure recommend uh, Lokal. It's a chain of restaurants. They're very popular among locals, kind of implies. And tourists, yeah. So it's uh, quite busy usually, but if you get a spot or you can just get a beer. And uh, uh, if you just want the beer, you don't have to order food there. So you can just get one and stand there at the bar. It's also what a lot of locals do. So that's that one. But also we have a lot of microbreweries and in Prague as well. So the ones that I would recommend are in the monasteries Yes, it's kind of strange that religion goes <laughs> with alcohol there, but <laughs> there are reasons for that. Reasons for that.
0: <laughs> Some people, alcohol is their religion.
3: <laughs> yeah, it is certainly here, right? <laughs> it's sort of replaced, <laughs> I would say, with, with time. <laughs> so, yeah, so I would recommend two monasteries in Prague. One is a bit further away from the historical city center, but I think it's worth it. It's called Brzevnov Monastery. Uh and the other one is uh, closer, it's next to Prague Castle, it's called Strahov Monastery, so there they have their St. Norbert beer, so this is one of the most favorite beers of mine in Prague, and of course we have s- some smaller microbreweries like Dinohradsky pivovar, pivovar is a microbrewery, and Ufleku, so these are my top Favorites. Uh you
0: talked about these monasteries, Valerie. When you walk in, does it still have the vibe of a monastery? Does it remind you of, of the monastery, or have they completely redone the interior so it looks different now? What, what what's it like? What's the atmosphere like?
3: Monasteries here are a big complex big complexes of buildings. Uh so they do have a gate where you can obviously enter the grounds of the monastery. But then you will see that there are some independently standing buildings there. Brewery, of course, yeah. And then there's this, usually a church or a basilica. And some monasteries also have libraries or uh, things like that. And then the pla- places where the monks live. But actually, I had an opportunity to talk with uh, one of the monks in Strahov Monastery a couple of years ago. And he was complaining to me that um, <laughs> a lot of uh, young men apply for the i don't know the position of the monk i'm getting it a little <laughs> wrong but uh whatever uh but then they only stay there for a couple of years and then they leave and he said that's because it looks good on the resume that you've been a monk <laughs> um, yeah the resume building
0: is a monk that is so funny yeah th- so they go and then they they get a job at a different brewery or yep. something oh my god that's
3: awesome <laughs> yes yeah.
0: Well, that's it for this week. It's been great hanging out at Pastelaria O Sesto in Stubel, Portugal. Next week, it's Amsterdam. And yes, I'll talk about weed. Until then, destinationeatrink.com is open for business. I just posted a story about a terrific restaurant in Lisbon that serves cuisine from Mozambique. So, so good. Get that at destinationeatrink.com/ slash blog. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by the Radio Misfits Podcast Network and a guy who replaced the Sacramento wine with Budweiser, Ed Silla. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. I'll see you down the road. Join us
1: next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.